Hey, it's a, it's a great pleasure to be able to uh, share around the word with you this morning. And um, it's a really important topic, actually. And I'm really believing that God will speak to us this morning. We were in our Beyond series, and last week we heard Pastor Darlene speak a fantastic message on the ask. And it's based around Ephesians 3, 20 to 21. Now, to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or think, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. And so really what we're trying to um, highlight through this series is that the message of the gospel is a message of living beyond, beyond where we currently are. And last week we looked at asking beyond our current expectations and this morning we're going to look at thinking beyond our current experience. And as we do that, I just want to pray. Lord, we thank you this morning that you have gathered us together in this way. We thank you that we're not here by chance, that, Lord, you have invited us into this space. And this morning, I pray, Lord, that as we share your word, Lord, that Holy Spirit, you would speak to each one, that you would help us to be transformed more and more into who you want us to be. So do what only you can do in Jesus' name. And everyone said? It's interesting. Jesus said quite often, to him who has ears... Let him hear. So just look to your neighbour and just have a quick check. And um, if they've got ears, then this morning's for all of us, right? This morning we're going to look at the importance of what we think. And I want to ask you straight from the outset, does it matter what we think? Is our thinking really that powerful? I mean, if it doesn't come out of our mouth, does it really matter? If people don't know what we think, does it really matter? I'm reminded of the story of a, uh, about a rugby league player. Um, I'm a New South Welshman and I moved to Queensland many years ago and lived there for a long time. But I remember in the very early days of state of origin, I would go to what was then Lang Park and look forward to New South Wales thrashing Queensland. And I remember the amount of times that I would walk away from there disappointed, primarily due to one player. And I almost struggled to get this out, but his name was Wally Lewis, the emperor of Lang Park, King Wally. And uh, Wally had this amazing knack of getting into other players' faces when his team was under pressure and unsettling them. He had an amazing knack of getting in front of a referee's face and unsettling the referee and an amazing knack of reading the game in a way that could change it so that they could win. And uh, my neighbour used to be a rugby league referee and linesman and he relayed this story to me. He said that in a, in a local game, um, Wally Lewis's team was under considerable pressure and so he went up to the referee as a scrum was about to pack and he said to the referee, if any of my players or someone else said you're a cheat, what would you do? With a grin on his face. And the referee said, well, I would immediately send them off. And he said, well, what if they only thought that you're a cheat? And the referee smiled at him and said, well, I can't send people off for what they think. And Wally Lewis replied, great, I think you're a cheat. <laughs> I think at that point the referee... <laughs> didn't actually enjoy the thoughts of Ollie Lewis, but it's interesting, you know, when we have a thought that comes into our mind, if we take that thought and it becomes an anchor point in our heart, 
it actually directs the course of our life. And the way that I imagine it is like our life is like a railway line, a railway journey. Just think of a country and western song. It'll get you on that spot there. Life is like a railway. And, um, you know, when we get this thought that takes an anchor point in our heart, and we've got an image here, it gives us a decision to make. We're either going to reject that thought and keep going straight, or if we receive that thought, then it'll change the course and the direction of our life in some way. But, you know, God has called us to live our lives according to his promises and what he speaks over our life. And because of that, our thoughts are really important. And this morning I want to share a few points that will hopefully help us to understand the importance of that and how we can control that. And so my first point this morning is um, what we think we eventually become. Proverbs 23 verse 7 says, For as he thinks in his heart, so is he. As he thinks in his heart, so is he. The actual full context of this passage of Scripture is around food. It's around someone that brings food and wants you to think like they love you and are wanting to bless you, but in actual fact, all they're thinking about is the whole time is the cost of it. And I love the way that the message version puts it. It says, don't accept a meal from a tightwad. Don't expect anything special. He'll be as stingy with you as he is with himself. He'll say, eat and drink, but he won't mean a word of it. His miserly serving will turn your stomach when you realize the meal is a sham. And, you know, in the ancient world, if you shared a meal with someone, there was an obligation for loyalty to one another around that. That's why it kind of says you need to know what is actually in a person's heart. Um, But to apply this to ourselves, we could say, That it's not what you say to people, but it's what you really think in your heart that matters. Does it really matter what you think if you don't hurt anyone? Have you heard the expression, you are what you eat? Well, Jesus says, you are what you think, not what you eat. In uh, the book of Mark, chapter 7, Jesus makes this statement. He says, there is nothing that enters a man from the outside which can defile him. But the things which come out of him, those are the things that defile him. In Proverbs 4.23, it says, Guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. So how do we put this together? We've got thoughts, we've got heart, we've got the outworking of that, which is the course of our life. I want to explain it to you this way. Look at your heart. When the Bible talks about your heart, it doesn't talk about our physical beating heart. It actually talks about a place that is the center, the control center of our life, if you like, where our decisions come out of. And so if we look at our heart as a garden bed, it has soil that's sitting there and the thoughts that come in as seed, depending on which seed comes in and germinates, will determine the course of our life. It's the soil from which the fruit of your life is produced. So we have a responsibility to look after it to tend it, to fertilise it with the right things. If we don't control what we allow to grow there, then we'll produce unhealthy fruit. Instead of nice plants, we'll get weeds. If I can give you an example of this, if we allow our thoughts to begin to grow weeds, if you like, in our heart, then we'll actually miss opportunities in life that God wants us to have. You know, many years ago, I coached um, teenage boys' football 
and there would be a program throughout the year where they could go and get coaching from really high-level coaches for six weeks. And the idea behind it was, was actually a talent identification program for representative football. And they wanted to see boys that they might have missed throughout the season. But I thought it was just a great opportunity for these boys to go and get some coaching from somebody else, learn some different skills. And if they didn't get identified, it didn't matter. And inevitably, what would happen was that when we would leave on about the second last week, it became obvious which boys were going to get selected and which ones weren't, you know, because they'd had certain groups. And my son and my nephews would say, you know, Dad, Uncle Paul, how did we go? I'd say, you went really great. Do you think we'll get selected? I said, well, I don't know. But did you have fun? Did you learn some new things? They said, yeah, it was great. I said, look, if you don't get selected, it just means you've got to work a little bit harder and come back next year and just be so good that they can't ignore you. So they would go away and they would work and, you know, try and get better. But, you know, there are many parents there, parents of the boys in my team, I would hear their conversations. Dad, how did they go? You were great. They don't know what they're missing. They just pick their favourites over there. It's a bit of a boys' club. You know, those boys aren't as good as you. They shouldn't be in that side. And just that thought process that was sowed into those young boys... You know, when it came time to trial again the next year, those boys didn't trial. Because in their mind, they had allowed this thought to seed that it was unfair on them. And so they missed the opportunity to represent their state. And if you allow it to, your thoughts will rob you of all sorts of possibilities. I think of the night that I went to church and on that night I heard a message and out of that I received Jesus into my life. And my life has been changed ever since. But I thought about the two hours leading up to that. I was tired. And I thought, you know what? I'm too tired to go to church tonight. I don't think I can be bothered going to church tonight. I'm going to be tired tomorrow. This thought process going through. And yet if I'd listened to that, I actually would have missed what God had for me. I might not be standing here today. And I've experienced that a lot in ministry, even as a youth leader. I had one particular youth leader that any time it was flu season... You know, Monday morning, I'd get a, I'd get a phone call because we couldn't SMS back then. I'd get a phone call and it'd be like, you know what, I'm, I'm just feeling like I'm getting a bit of a sniffle. I don't think I'll be at youth on Friday night. This is on Monday morning. <laughs> Thinking, dude, what's going on in your head? And I'd say, why don't you give me a call on Thursday night and see how you're feeling then? But I thought about just this whole thought pattern that we allow ourselves to get into sometimes and what it robs us of. You know, I, I, I couldn't possibly serve two serv- services in church. I couldn't possibly lead a life group. I couldn't possibly go on that holiday. When we start to talk like that, we begin to rob ourselves of what God wants to do in our life. And really what we need to do is actually get real about what we're thinking and say, I won't do those things, not I can't do those things. And allow God to do a work within us. Because the outworking of that is we can eventually get to a place where we begin to put those connotations on God. Well, God can't do that. God can't do that. Now, God couldn't do that in my life. And it robs us of what God wants to do. Let's not limit all that God has for us by becoming captive to our thought life. Second thought I want to give to you this morning is the whole idea of the renewing of our mind. It's one thing to be able to capture those thoughts, but how do we take those thoughts and and, and use them in a way that can renew us and change who we are, transform us? 
How do I get to a place where I can direct my thoughts in a certain way? You know, the Apostle Paul gives us one of the most profound of all ancient psychological insights. He, in Romans 12.2, he says, Don't copy the behaviour and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person. How? By changing the way you think. By changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. It doesn't say that God changes the way you think. God will change you when you change the way that you think. See, we often look at faith in the context of miracles and breakthrough. So, you know, the prayer of a righteous man. So if I just pray for this with faith, then by faith, I'm going to have that breakthrough. By faith, I'm going to receive that miracle. But what about the faith that, that at its root level is, I want you to go and apologize to that person because what you did isn't what I planned for your life. And you say, I don't want to do that, God. That's actually faith. By doing what God asks us to do in relationship with one another is actually a step of faith. It's trusting that God will look after the result even if I don't feel that it's going to go well. And sometimes we don't want to live at faith at that level. But faith in its rawest sense is believing God at his word. And if we're going to believe God at his word, we need to be able to discern what is of God and what isn't. In Isaiah 55, verses 7 to 9, it says, Let the wicked forsake his way, and the unrighteous man, his thoughts, let him return to the Lord, and he will have mercy on him. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your, my ways, your ways my ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. We need to know what God's thoughts are so that we can discern all the thoughts that are coming in and turf out those that are not of him. You know, one thing the military taught me was that I'm stronger than I think I am. Whenever I thought I'd reached my limit, whenever I thought I can't do this, whenever I thought I can't go any further, I had this voice in my ear telling me to man up and do it. Actually, it was a really loud voice and it was right in my ear. <laughs> Just pushing, pushing, pushing. And I realised that I was actually much stronger than I thought I was. So I could do a lot more than I ever thought I could do. But you see, I had the luxury of someone else demolishing my deceptive thoughts about myself. They were walking around with me all the time, you know. But, you know, as believers, we can demolish those thoughts too through faith in the true knowledge of God. We can. We can activate that in our life. And I love the way 2 Corinthians 10 talks about it. It uses a military terminology. It says in 2 Corinthians 10, 3 to 5, For although we live in the natural realm... We don't wage a military campaign employing human weapons, using manipulation to achieve our aims. Instead, our spiritual weapons are energized with divine power to effectively dismantle the defenses behind which people hide. We can demolish every deceptive fantasy that opposes God and break through every arrogant attitude that is raised up in defiance of the true knowledge of God. We capture, listen to this, we capture like prisoners of war every thought. We capture like prisoners of war every thought and insist that it bow in obedience to the anointed one. That last line is so powerful. 
we capture like prisoners of war every thought and we insist that it bow in obedience to the anointed one. You see, if the heart is the garden bed, if you like, the seed bed for your thoughts, then by faith we act on and capture those thoughts before they get a chance to take root. I tried to think about this in terms of a mental image as well. And I thought of the whole idea of a farmer that sifts and he's trying to find what is the good seed and what is the bad seed or good wheat or bad wheat. We've got an image here and it's almost like all of this goes into that sieve at the top, right? That's all the, all the thoughts that aren't of God and all the thoughts that are of God. And, and what happens is we, we sift them. When they come into our mind, we begin to sift it and we sort it and we allow that which is good to go through that can germinate in, in, the, in the garden bed that is our heart, the soil that is our heart, and the stuff on the top that gets captured that's not of God, we turf that out and we get rid of it. And it's interesting, you know, the Bible talks about seed that lands on hard soil, stony soil or good soil, right? That's our heart. And so we have an obligation to make sure that we sift the stuff out that is not of God and keep the other stuff. And, you know, as I was looking for images on sifting, I came across one that I thought was really, really accurate. But then I thought, I probably can't show all the images that I saw that it was of a cat litter tray. I did find one I could show. There it is there. I want you to think of the, the bottom tray as all the thoughts that come into your mind. There's lots of good stuff in there and there's lots of not so good stuff in there. And so then you bring it up and you've got to sift it through and you sift through the stuff that is good and then on the top there's all this ugly, stinky sort of stuff, Right? And that's the stuff that God wants you to throw out, those little thought nuggets that he wants you to throw out, right? And look, it's a little bit crude, but, you know, oftentimes we allow that stuff to sit in our head. We allow it just to sit there and ferment. Can you see it? <laughs> it sits in our head. And then we allow it to actually take hold and so then we have these thoughts about our partner or about leadership or others in our church or maybe about our kids or our health or our future or maybe even our identity and how others perceive us and it's, and it's crude but we do it we allow it just to, to sit there and ferment and eventually we start to believe us and it begins to direct our lives in a certain path and it's a path that's away from what God wants for us. You know, I've been in numerous counselling settings where I've asked this question to people. They've discussed their situation and what's difficult about it and I'll ask this question. I'll say, what's God saying to you in this? How does God say that we should respond in this situation? What is God asking you to do in this situation? What does his word say about this situation? And you know, often I'll get blank looks it's like their thought life has been so consumed by things that aren't of God that they can no longer think what God says should happen. They don't know it anymore. Or they'll say to me, yeah, actually I thought about what God said, but I just don't know that I want to do it. Be transformed by renewing the way you think. Capture those thoughts. How do I capture those thoughts? How do I discern 
What is a thought that is healthy and a thought that is unhealthy? Well, let me give you a few questions which will hopefully help. I think the first question you need to ask is, what does this thought really mean? Like expand it out, dissect it, and try and work out what it really means. And you could use it in any situation. I'll use myself as an example, fictional example. You could say, the pastor doesn't like me. I know he doesn't like me because he doesn't talk to me. So just try and keep expanding that out and dissecting it and try and think about what that really means. So are you really saying that the pastor avoids you because there's something about you that he absolutely dislikes? Like, is that a rational thought? It might be, but you need to at least ask the question. You need to at least ask the question. And whatever the situation is, ask the question, like, really, is this thought something that is actually, you know, based in reality? Like, is it really something that is in the, in the realms of possibility? And then after that, ask yourself this question. Am I sure that that thought is the truth? I mean, I'm thinking it. It feels like it to me, but is it actually true? Because you see, the outworking of this would be if you feel like the pastor doesn't like you, well, eventually you'll probably leave the church and you might even decide not to go to another church. And then, you know, you're you're enjoying your Sundays at the beach or whatever and life's great and you've got your family there with you. But, you know, the ramifications of that is that when your kids get older, they have no connection with church, no connection with Jesus. And because you haven't determined that a thought is true or not, you've let your path go down a direction that has cost you the salvation of your kids. And I use that example because I've seen it many times over 30 years of ministry. Because people get a thought in their head, and it doesn't have to be about church life, it can be about anything. I've seen families break up based over a thought that's been allowed to come in and germinate, and it's been a total fabrication. It's been how someone feels, but it hasn't been based in truth. And because they haven't been committed to community and got together and tried to work through the issue in the way that God says, it causes family breakdown. Ask yourself this last question. What are the implications of my life if I'm wrong? How will this impact me if I'm wrong? See, if you leave church based on an offence, whether it be with a pastor or someone else, then you've actually robbed yourself of being part of a good church family and committing yourself to a great community that God wants you to thrive in. And so what are the implications if you're wrong? Rather than focusing on how we feel, let's focus on that which is good and pleasing and perfect. Let's have grace for one another. Let's capture the thoughts and make sure they're based on truth. Let's continually work to renew our thinking on being spirit-led and not conform to the customs of this world. Amen? Okay, last one, and the team can come up. Last one is think on these things. What are you going to think about? We've talked about how, we, how our thoughts are important. We've got to capture them. We've talked about how we can capture them and then transform them in a way that can bring um, the correct direction to our life. But think on these things. In Philippians 4, the Apostle Paul teaches us how to think in a positive way. He says, think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Keep putting into practice all you learned and received from me. Everything you heard from me, 
and saw me doing, then the God of peace will be with you. This just isn't about the power of positive thinking. This is actually a declaration by faith in the promises of God. Faith in the promises of God. Fix your thoughts on what is true. Fix your thoughts. Fix your thoughts. Fix your thoughts on what is true. Fix your thoughts on what is honourable. Fix your thoughts on what is pure and right and lovely and admirable. Fix your thoughts. That is where you find peace. You might be here this morning and you might say, I'm I'm fearful. I'm in in a situation in a moment where I'm fearful. That's okay. It's okay to be fearful. Have you heard the the term that courage isn't the absence of fear? It's being fearful and then doing what you need to do. Take courage, my friend. Fix your thoughts on God's Word, what He says, His promises over you. Begin to declare His Word over your life. God didn't give me a spirit of fear, but of love and of power. Come on and a sound mind, right? Yes, you're fearful, but God didn't give you that spirit. Don't allow your thoughts to keep bringing that up. All the negatives that could happen, that might happen, but fix your thoughts on God's Word. Play worship music if you have to. Find songs that reinforce the power of God's promise against that thing and play it. Allow the music just to settle your spirit and then allow the words to come in. Speak declarations of life over yourself. But I'm fearful. Yes, but he said he will never leave you. He will never forsake you. If you're feeling weak, I can do all things through Christ. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Those who wait upon the Lord will renew their strength. Fix your thoughts on God. Amen. I'm feeling inadequate. Well, be strong and courageous. For the Lord, your God, is with you. He will go with you. He will go with you. The Lord will go before you. He will make the rough places smooth. Begin to declare God's promises over your life. Greater is He that is in me than he that is in the world. Amen? You're stronger than you think because you have the God of all strength who dwells inside of you, who goes before you, goes behind you. He'll have the front. He has the rear guard. He will get you through. But fix your eyes, fix your thoughts on Him. Don't allow your thoughts to be overwhelmed. Take captive those thoughts that will try and rob you of everything that God has for you. I want to close with Colossians 3. It says, Christ's resurrection is your resurrection too. This is why we are to yearn for all that is above, for that's where Christ sits enthroned at the place of all power, honour and authority. Yes, feast on all the treasures of the heavenly realm and fill your thoughts with heavenly realities and not with the distractions of the natural realm. Let me just take that line there and it'll change your world. Let your heart always be guided by the peace of the Anointed One, 
who called you to peace as part of His one body and always be thankful. Let the Word of Christ live in you richly, flooding you with all wisdom. Apply the Scriptures as you teach and instruct one another with the Psalms and with festive praises and with prophetic songs given to you spontaneously by the Spirit. So sing to God with all your hearts and let your activity of your lives and every word that comes from your lips be drenched with the beauty of our Lord Jesus, the Anointed One. And bring your constant praise to God the Father because of what Christ has done for you. What an incredible promise that we have. And can I encourage you, don't fix your thoughts on natural challenges. It doesn't mean that they're not important. It doesn't mean that they don't have an impact on you. We will all go through them or have gone through them at some point, things that will test our resolve to our very limit. But fix your thoughts on things above. Capture those thoughts and say, you know what? That might be a reality for me, but I'm going to believe in the promises of God. I'm going to get through this because I know who walks with me. Amen. Amen. Why don't we pray? Lord, we thank you that your word says that having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And Lord, my prayer this morning is that for each one of us here, we would know your peace. Lord, we know it's available. You are the Prince of Peace. But Lord, give us the strength to capture our thoughts. Give us the strength, Lord, to fix our thoughts upon you and who you are and what you've promised and what you've spoken over our life. And just this morning, while we're all in a moment of reflection, I just feel to pray for people this morning who, are, who have struggled or are struggling in this area of their thought life. And what I mean by that is that in whatever situation you find yourself in, you just find yourself turning to the negative. That you're struggling to really grab hold of God's promises and see what God can do in all of this. And that's okay. I just believe His Spirit wants to minister to you this morning and encourage you and fill you afresh and say, hey, we got this. You don't have to worry. We'll get through. You can have a peace about this, a peace that other people don't understand. But fix your thoughts on things above. If that's you this morning, while no one's looking around, I, I just want to pray the Holy Spirit will meet with you this morning. Would you just raise your hand nice and high? You can put it back down then. Yeah, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, yeah. Just raise it nice and high and put it back down. We're just going to pray, that's all, yeah. Yeah, thank you. Many in this place. Lord, right now I pray for every person that raised their hand. And Lord, we acknowledge this, the, the feeling of being overwhelmed and maybe not knowing where to turn. But right now, Holy Spirit, I pray that you would minister to each and every one. And I pray that you would strengthen their faith. 
Strengthen their faith, Lord, that they might be able to fix their gaze upon you, their thoughts upon you. That, Lord, they would be able to walk with a confidence that despite the things that are going on in their life, their confidence is in you. Lord, I pray, Lord, that they would know your presence, that they would not fear, they would not doubt, but, Lord, they would continually reach for your promises and declare it over their lives. Lord, I pray as they spend time listening to worship, that your Holy Spirit would just minister to them afresh and continually bring peace in the middle of the storm. And it would be an incredible testimony to your goodness in their life. And I also want to pray for people this morning. Maybe you're in this place and you don't know what it is to have a relationship with Jesus. Maybe you don't know what it is to have peace and order in your world. Maybe you don't know what God's thoughts are. But I want to encourage you this morning that Jesus calls out to each and every one of us because his desire to have relationship with us is so strong. Maybe you've been down a thought process that says, well, I don't even know that God is real. That's okay. Why don't you test it? Why don't you test that thought? The Bible says that if we receive him, if we receive him, he will come in. His spirit will come in. He will show us his ways, his thoughts that are higher than our thoughts, his ways that are higher than our ways. He'll bring order to our life. He'll bring peace to our life. He'll bring purpose to our life. And this morning, he offers that to each and every one of us. So while every head is bowed and every eye is closed, if this morning you even feel right now that that's something that you should do, can I encourage you to be brave? Why don't you raise your hand and say, yeah, that's me. I'm just going to pray with you. That's all. I'm not going to embarrass you. See, that's me. I I need to know Jesus that way. I need to receive him this morning. Would you raise your hand nice and high so I can pray with you? Yeah, thank you. Anyone else in this place? I just want to give God time. It's an important moment. Church, why don't we pray this prayer? Dear Lord Jesus, I thank you that you died for me. And I thank you that you rose again. And because of that, I can have a relationship with you. I thank you that you see me as righteous because you are righteous. Fill me with your Holy Spirit and lead me and guide me, I pray. Amen.